just want to bring a truth to you here tonight out of Ephesians 2 verses 19 through 22. It's the end, it's the end of the chapter, so there is a train of thought going on, but this is the little portion I'd like to focus on here. Paul says, Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word. And I believe that, Lord, you helped to pull together some thoughts here for tonight that you would have to be said. And, Lord, some of me thinks that I wish that there were others here also because I believe that this it goes broader than even just us that are here. But we are here right now. And we pray, Lord, don't forget about us, but bend low right here as we're gathered together and make this applicable to our own hearts and to us together, Lord, as you would have it to be in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a desire for us as Christians. We want to see fruit. We want to do something for the Lord. And we want to be able to see this something that we've done. We want to know that our life counted. We want to know that somehow we've pleased God. And, and in that, we've also brought others along with us. So we, we want to achieve something. We want to see God move. And that is worthy to have the desire to want to achieve something. It's worthy to want to see God move. And it's necessary also. But I think in this church, and even right here tonight, there are here some prominent emphases that each of us have. Some have more than another, and that's fine. But I want to just bring your attention to these three. There's an emphasis on stability. There's an emphasis on spirituality and an emphasis on achievement. An emphasis on stability, spirituality, and achievement. So with that desire to want to achieve and do something for God, and to want to make our lives count, to want to make God smile, let's think about that achievement thing for a moment. I think achievement first starts with a vision, and then it's gotta be tangible. I've got to be able to feel it. I've got to be able to know it. I've got to be able to understand it. I've got to be able to quantify it. It's got to be able to be measured. It's a measurable something achievement is. But if that's all that it was, we'd lose everything. Because achievement, for it to really be successful, I believe in God's eyes, also needs to have longevity. So whatever we're doing has got to last. And that's very important. So you remember just a moment ago, I said that I believe that there's these three emphases in our congregation of people that regularly attend our church. I believe, and I, and I think it goes beyond there, but I'm just thinking of the core of our people. I believe that stability is a, is a big emphasis, spirituality is a big emphasis, and achievement is a big emphasis. 
And wherever we may fall or lean in one of those directions more than another, it's not really a problem. It's just that we want to look at these things. I believe the map for successful achievement in God's sight is both in the means and the end as follows. We looked here in Ephesians chapter 2, and out of this, I want to bring some things up that help us to see about stability, that help us to see about spirituality, and that help us to see about achievement. I find inside of this text in Ephesians that we looked at that there is coming from scatteredness or coming from a scattered state to a unified state, coming from uncertainty to stability coming from independence to interdependence, and then finally growth, coming from self-directed to God-directed, and then ultimately coming from natural power to spiritual power. So the first thought that I want to just bring up is coming from scattered to unified. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, so the verse that we, or some of the verses we just read, I want to reference one of them. It says, now, therefore, ye are no more citizens and foreigners, but fellow citizens, excuse me, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So here we find, he says, now, therefore, ye are no more, which leads us to believe that there was something that was happening back there that's different now. This is where I get that thought that before things were scattered, before you and I were a stranger, before you and I were foreigners. What does this mean? Where, how are we strangers? Well, first of all, we're strangers to one another in this local church group. We're strangers to the people of God. We're strangers to God's kingdom. And then it says that we're not only strangers, but foreigners. So this isn't our native land, God's kingdom, I mean. God's people, God's house. This isn't native to us. We're foreign. We're not from around here. We've got a funny accent. We speak a different language or we spoke a different language. We spoke the language of the world and we spoke the language of our old life. So he says that you're no more these strangers and these foreigners. This is where we used to be, right? And we're all, we're all kind of scattered about. All of us have different life stories, where we came from, what happened, all that and there's probably some common threads with some people, but all of us were kind of scattered out. Then he says it went from this scattered state to this unified state. And the unified state that he brings up, did that just go out? Yes, it did. It died. Can you hear me fine? Okay. So it went from that scattered state to this unified state now. And we can see it as Paul says this. Now you were that scattered state, strangers and foreigners. Now you're fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So the unified state then helps us to realize as we were scattered about kind of doing our own thing everywhere, when the call of God came to us, he pulled us together and he says we're fellow citizens with the saints. So that means you're a citizen and you're a citizen and I'm a citizen and you're a citizen and brother Matt's a citizen. The children, as they're under our roof, they're, they're those citizens of heaven. We're fellow citizens with one another, which shows that there's all of a sudden this unity here. We're all under the same head. We're all under the same king. We're all in the same kingdom. 
We're all going the same way. We're all of the same value and of the same worth to God in some sense. He may have different things that he wants each of us to do, but he looks at each one of his citizens as his own and very important to him. So we are unified. We're fellow citizens with the saints. You and I have equal citizenship. You and I have equal rights in this kingdom. Also, we're unified in the sense that he says we're of the household of God. You can see God taking ownership of us. You can see then that God's pledged protection over us because we're his household. You can see that God then is going to provide for us because we're of his household. Now it's not just this broad, vast, expansive kingdom. Now it's narrowed even more so and we're in his household. So we've gone from this scattered state to this unified state. Remember in the beginning I spoke about stability, spirituality, and achievement. This is one of the first moves of stability that God wants to bring to people's lives, to a local church, which is an expression of the larger bit of his kingdom. He wants to bring from that scattered state to this unified state where we all realize that you and I are fellow citizens and that we're of the household of God. I think for in some sense, I think we understand that up here. And I think in some sense we work that out. But I, I just want to help us to understand that I believe even more so he's trying to work that out in us. That fellow citizenship, that household of God, that working together and seeing ourselves on equal plane before God himself. So there's that one sense of stability. Then it moves from in, in a more specific sense, this uncertainty to a very solid stability in this. Verse 20, it said that this whole uh, citizenship and household, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So stability, what's he talking about? Well, you and I could go out and gather a bunch of scattered stones out in a field. Farmers do it all the time. Uh, maybe not as much now as they used to, but I know in Massachusetts, and I'm sure it's up this way in New York State as well, you can go out into the woods and you can find stone walls inside of the woods. They're not very good stone walls, but it's it's pile of stone going for a long time throughout the woods. And that's because at one time that used to be a farmland and there weren't the trees in the way that are there now. And what they did was when they were trying to prepare the farmland, they would push those stones out and they didn't want them. So what did they do? They just made a fence with them all around the outside of their property, got it out of where they wanted to plant and they put the fence there. So you can take all those scattered stones and you can push them all the way to one side of a field. But is it stable? They're all unified together in a pile. But is it stable? Absolutely not. Brother Matt probably knows about this as well. You step on any of those stone, those stone rubble piles, you, things shake around a lot. Oftentimes we would go there and pull stones off of those piles to make another wall that actually was sturdy. So when we're thinking about scattered to unified, that's one aspect of stability, but that's really not stable. We also need to go from this uncertain state to this stable state. So stability, I believe, is made up of a few things. First of all, order. Stability is made up of order. And order, if we break that apart a little bit, would be structure and consistency. Now, you may be able to define it in many other ways than what I've done, but it seems to me those are two essential things to have order. 
structure and consistency. If I have structure and consistency, I have order and then it's stable. Sometimes stability comes by way of corrective measure. Brother Matt owns a restoration business. Sometimes in order to make something stable, you got to break things apart and then redo it and fix it. I remember the one property you had over there in Cooperstown, that crack that was going underneath. You got to dig all the way down. Then you've got to, I don't know all the things you had to do, but I know you're having to put some kind of filler probably in that crack, maybe even chisel stuff out so you can get whatever you needed in there to repair it. But sometimes to bring stability, there needs to be some sort of corrective measure so that then it can be stable afterwards. So order is structure and consistency. Sometimes it needs to be corrective. We're thinking about stability again. Where? Where does this stability need to happen? Well, so we're unified instead of scattered. Now we're trying to build stability. Where do we build this stability? Not only as an individual, but where do we build this as a local church body? How do we do this? Well, obviously, first of all, the person that you have the most control and say over and the most influence over is yourself. No one else has as much influence over you as you do. So we start with ourselves and we try to then work that structure and consistency in our own spiritual lives. Then we move on to our families if we have it. We move, then we want structure and consistency in our family lives, spiritually. And whatever prescription the Bible has towards a family, God wants that kind of structure and consistency, that order. Then also we think about the workplace. And I'm not just talking about having a nice organized day, although that is very helpful at times. I'm talking about even spiritually speaking, all the spheres of your influence start to go out in larger and larger circles. So now the individual, we need to work that structure and consistency in, in myself. I need to work that structure and consistency spiritually in my family. I need that structure and consistency to work out as I relate to these people that I work with and then the church. This structure and, and consistency then needs to be worked out also in the church. But you see, it starts with the individual and then it blossoms out through the order of God that God's made it through society. The way that society is built starts with the individual, then a family makes up society, and then of course this working class kind of supports society, and the church really is going to hold all this together if we do it right. It's going to point people to himself. So, we have the where, but how? The how is answered this way, obviously, in the, uh, by the scripture. And we know this as we look in the 20th verse. It says that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Now, just saying the prophets doesn't mean only the book of the prophets. Uh, in Jewish thinking, when they said prophets, that included a vast array of Old Testament. They would say the law and the prophets, that would have summed up the entire Old Testament. So the prophets, I can't delineate to you what every bit and piece is, but I think it's safe to say the scripture. So how, how do I bring this order, the structure and consistency into my spiritual life, not only inwardly, but also outwardly as an expression of the spiritual life by the scripture. And then it tells us by the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. How? All these facets of life, God is aiming for stability on which he can build. 
He needs that stability in order to build. So he takes the scattered pieces, which are you and I, lost sinners, all walks of life. He brings the scattered pieces together, which you'd have to do on any building project, is bring in all the supplies and the scattered pieces. That doesn't bring stability yet, though. Then what he needs to do is then work this kind of foundation, this stability, this stable place on which he can build. So we bring the scattered parts together, lay that stable place where we can build, which the Bible tells us is scripture. And now we need to make that consistent and orderly in every facet of life. Then I see also in here from independence to interdependence leading to growth. In verse 21, in whom, in Christ, all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Think about it. Before you were a Christian, how were you fitly framed together with people in a, in a genuine sense? I don't know as if, I'm sure there's probably places where something of that was happening, but I don't really know as if that happened in truth before we were saved. Because I think a lot of the times, things were more for ourselves than it was for anybody else. And we can't help it for, for it to be that way because of us just being blindly walking in the paths of sin and the lust of our own heart. So we're moving from that independent stage to interdependence. So it says, notice in whom, notice that we have right here been taken out of that independence because it's not just me in Christ, it's us or we in Christ in whom okay so there we have it this interdependence and he said all the building which means all inclusive so every separate part is distinct yet it's collectively necessary so we're then it helps us to see this picture that this body of Christ in which he is trying to build upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets of Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone is then a building that he's building putting everything together and this whole project is moving together at a collective pace not an individual pace that helps us to either back up sometimes or to spur others on it's kind of reciprocal but we can't grow I, I think this is evident, but we can't grow as a church individually. It doesn't work. We have to grow individually, and as we grow individually, and then we are interdependent on one another, then this whole building, this whole building of Christ's church right here in Rome, New York, will be growing together. He said that it's fitly framed together. Here's, again, that interconnectedness. Fitly framed together helps me to see that there is balance and function. There's a purpose why things are fit together in a certain way, and there's balance to it so that it doesn't get lopsided so this thing can work. Can you imagine if the Lord gave us uh, one leg that was a foot longer than the other? We'd have a really hard time doing stuff. But thank the Lord, generally speaking, people have legs that are about the same length so we can walk around, and we can balance right, we can run, we can do a whole lot of things. And same with our arms. The symmetry he's made in our body has balanced us out so that the center of gravity we can use effectively and we can do some work that we wouldn't have been able to otherwise. So God is doing the same thing in the church, or at least that is his desire. He is trying to make an interconnectedness and balancing us out. In other words, there are people in the church that are having certain functions that if everyone were like that person, this church wouldn't grow. 
But because we all have different functions and parts, he's fitly framing all of this together to make it what he wants it to be. So we have to realize this is what's in the heart and mind of Jesus Christ. If this is in his heart and mind, then I want to go along with his plan. And I don't know maybe where I fit right now, but I've got an open heart wanting to see this and wanting to work along with the spirit as he's doing this. So God is the framer and you and I are the cooperators. Only then will we grow as the Lord desires. That'll be true growth. I think that there's a lot of growth that can happen. You can see uh, huge mega churches that are around that have phenomenal growth. But my question is, what does God think of that growth? Is the growth that they have something that's pleasing to God? Is it success in God's sight? Or is it just growth like any other organization could grow? You know, any other company with a team of people that know how to work together and make something? I'm not interested in that solely here in the church. I want to grow with the Lord together as a church. So we want true growth. We want God-pleasing growth. And then notice that it is a pure growth because we are called a holy temple. I want to go back to that. It said, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. So he's trying to make us a holy temple. And it seems to be part of his plan is that us growing together makes this holy temple. So holy hearts make a holy building, or excuse me, holy hearts make holy building blocks, which make a holy temple that holds a holy God. Holy hearts make holy building blocks, which make a holy temple that holds a holy God. So notice that all this is in him. It started in this verse, in whom, and then it ends in the Lord. All of it is in him, in his direction, in his strength, in his power, and in his time. He's the foreman over the project here. He knows what's going on. So that's from that in independence to interdependence, and then you see from there, growth happens. So the scattered pieces get brought together, he lays a stable foundation. Then he interconnects all these parts to build up on top of this foundation. And that's how the building grows. That's what God says. Then we move from self-directed to God-directed. In verse 22, in whom ye also are builded together. This is God's purpose. You're builded together. You're builded together. This is going to work together. We're the bricks of the bu building. And if you think about it for a moment, bricks do not choose where they go, do they? Bricks don't choose where they go. They don't choose which brick they can be next to. They don't choose which part of the structure they can be placed. The mason does the placing as he has the blueprint and he knows the expected end. So we're moving from self-direction to God direction or being God directed. So God's direction is a together effort. And this sometimes can be quite hard, quite difficult. We can have, obviously we, have, we each have personalities, preferences, and aptitudes. Sometimes these things look like they don't fit, but they do. That's why God has brought us scattered pieces together to this building. You and I may not quite figure that out right now or know or understand how, but the thing that we need to get settled is it does fit. It does work. 
God's made this building this way. He's brought these scattered pieces in. He's going to fitly frame them together. Then that helps us to realize there's no way I can be the one directing this. I have no idea. It has to be God directed. So then we as individuals and as a church say, Lord, this is a God directed church and we are God directed building blocks. How does this fit together, Lord? What do you want to do? How do you want to use us? So all of this is purposeful and ordained of God. Then I see in the last part here, from natural power to spiritual power. It says, for inhabitation, building all this together, all of what we just read, so that it comes up to this point, that we are inhabitation of God through the Spirit. That's why he's doing it. That's why God gathers those scattered pieces. That's why when the scattered pieces are there in a pile, he doesn't then just walk away. That's why he brings stability. He puts down a foundation. He brings structure. He brings consistency so that now he can build on top. And he's building with that pile of rubble down there, interconnecting these pieces together. And he's going to be the foreman over the job because he knows how to get it done and he knows how these pieces fit. And then he's doing it so that that building, that expression of the larger church of Jesus Christ in this local place here in Rome or any other local church for that matter will then be inhabited by the Spirit of God all the time. Isn't that an awesome thought? That's what he's after. So when we cooperate with God, we are individually and collectively God's dwelling place. Now we are in the most productive achieving stage when he pulls all that together and we adjust and align to the spirit of God and to one another, then we're in the most productive achieving state. Human machinery is crucified and unified. Human machinery is resurrected. Human machinery is shaped. Human machinery is honed. Now he uses these vessels and it is the most productive achieving time and moment. So we're going from this natural power to spiritual power. A holy temple, holy people, holy hearts, holy aspirations and ambitions, holy conditions, holy achievement. That's what God wants to do through this church here in Rome. He, so instead, we've got to look at one another and realize where strengths and aptitudes are, even in these matters, stability, spirituality, and achievement. I've heard these themes spoken about many different times, just talking with all the people in the church. In one way or another, certain people lean hard one in one place than they do another. But I just looked at, I was just thinking about that earlier today, and I thought, wow, we really do need one another. I've heard somebody say, we've got to do it by the Spirit. We've got to do it led by the Spirit. It's got to be in the Spirit. Well, thank the Lord there's somebody whose voice is sounding like that. Another person may say, yes, but we've got to do something. Well, thank God we've got to do something. Another person may say, but wait a minute. In order for us to do something, uh, let's think about this and pull it all together. And I believe right here, the Lord has given us this pattern and idea for us to be the most productive, achieving church 
that we can be that he wants us to be. From scattered to unified, from uncertainty to stability, from independence to interdependence, which will then lead to this growth, from self-directed to God-directed, and from natural power to spiritual power, we will then be in the state where God inhabits this place and this people, this church, all the time, and he can do what he wants with every member of this building, every member of this building of his, I should say, and his work just spewing out the doors of this church in the way that he directs and the way that he guides. May God help us to just bend before the Lord and say, Lord, you've made me thus. Now what do you want for me to do? Who, how do I fit in here? How do I need to adjust to my brother or to my sister? What do I need to do so that this is that habitation of God through the Spirit? I hope you then go back and look through this section of Scripture yourself and just kind of meditate and think through all these things as we're trying to just move forward here as a church. Uh, it's Ephesians chapter 2, the last five verses.